part 10 of the Tipitaka recitals on Edward Reeb's Buddhist Books podcast. Um, for those of you on YouTube, if this is your first time seeing me wearing this, uh, click here instead and that will take you to the Tipitaka playlist and I recommend starting with episode one. Um, for those of you on the podcast, hello! Uh, I know you can't see me, I'm waving. Anyway. Um, before we get started, just briefly, I swear I'm not going to go on for 25 minutes. Um, I wanted to let you know and plug one of my other videos here on this same Edward Reeb YouTube channel, uh, but different playlist. It's from the Travel series. So to sum up, in uh, uh, 2017, I sold everything I owned basically and uh, bought a one-way ticket to Africa and uh, then to Nepal to see the birthplace of the Buddha. Went to Bhutan for a week, because, you know, uh, one can only afford to go to Bhutan for a week, um, depending on what country you're from. If you're from India, you can just go to Bhutan, and they don't charge you $200 per day. But if you're from US, UK, that kind of place, um, they do charge you $200 per day, but that covers uh, the driver, the guide, the best hotels, the best food, you don't pay for anything unless you want to buy stuff like souvenirs and, you know, like maybe uh, maybe some flags, you know, uh, then then you have to pay for that. Oh, this also, I got in Paro. Um, not a monk, just for those who are confused. Last time I said that, I don't know what it was, but that episode eight, I mean, it only got two thumbs downs, but it's my first time getting thumbs downs of any kind um, on the Buddhist Books podcast, so I was like, what is going on? It was the one where I was making reference to that video about the third religion, the guy talking about, you know, and I was kind of like, okay, breaking it down, and I linked to that uh, video. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, if you have any thoughts about that, let me know. Uh, okay, so, but the thing I wanted to tell you about was Travels, episode 14. So it started with Africa, then Nepal, then Bhutan, then back to Nepal, then India, then I met Priyal, and then we started traveling together. And so then there were Travels videos where we went all over and uh, to Thailand and so on. And then, um, then there was COVID, so that put a damper on our traveling for a while. And uh, then finally... Um, you know, we started traveling again. So, oh, excuse me, episode 13. You, you probably already saw that that was Travels episode 13. Entitled Kasoli, Bihar, Andaman, and Darjeeling. We actually went to Kasoli, and then in Bihar, we went to Bodh Gaya, where the Buddha attained enlightenment. We also went to Rajgir, where Mahavir uh, taught the kings and so on. Um, and we went a few other places, and Andaman, a couple of islands there, and Darjeeling, as well as Gangtok. So if you're interested in Buddhism, which I'm guessing you are, because you're watching this video, um, there are, is like several minutes, like maybe, I don't know, seven or eight minutes of, Bod of Mahabodhi Temple. That's the temple where, that commemorates where uh, Buddha attained enlightenment, which I think at some point in this I'm showing you on the screen, maybe even right now as I'm talking. Something like that. Anyway, um, also Nalanda University, which is a little bit more esoteric. Not, I mean, Vajrayana did partially develop there, but that's not what I mean by esoteric. I mean, I didn't know about Nalanda University until I met Priyal and she started showing me pictures of it. But people who dig in a little bit and read source texts and so on might have already heard of Nalanda University. Anyway, 
you can see several minutes of, Nola, of us walking around Nolanda University and see what that looks like from the inside in present day, or at least, you know, a couple months ago. The, these were all our travels between March and June, so we did a lot of traveling in a few months. Um, and there's a few other notable things. Darjeeling is big with, uh, with Tibetan Buddhism, so you get to see some temples there, as well as some temples in uh, Gangtok, Sikkim. So, anyway, let's get to the reading, shall we? It's very exciting lately, isn't it? Listing off all the different uh, rules about stealing. It's okay, it'll get exciting again, I'm sure. And uh, <clears throat> so, you're, if you remember last time we left off, it was talking about goods in transit. It was def it defined goods in transit. And uh, if you touch it, it's a wrongdoing. If you make it wiggle, then it's a grave offense. And if you remove it from its place, then you are defeated. Parajika. Continuing right where we left off. By the way, uh, I'd like to welcome our special guest, White Tara, Yeshi Dawa, which actually means wisdom full moon, but uh, she's commonly known as White Tara. You can tell by the green Tara, aside from being green in this particular case, um, has her leg not fully in lotus position, so it's like she's ready to get up and help you as soon as you Say Om Tari Tutari Turi Soha. Now, this is a bit of an anachronism, I know, because we're reading about early Buddhism, and she didn't come around until later, although I'm sure her origin story puts her thousands of years earlier than Buddha, but she wasn't talked about, except that she, was, she did exist in Hinduism in a different kind of form. She was sort of like the Egyptian newt, like the, uh, the sky, the stars, the, you know, something like that. But, uh, but this Tara was a woman who... Um, you know, they told, basically, it's, it's fun, uh, you know, in, in, in honor of, like, representation. She's the first female Buddha that we have here on the show, sitting here next to me on the, uh, on the desk. Um, her story was when she took the Bodhisattva Oath, or just before she took the Bodhisattva Oath, her teacher um, told her, you know, you, okay, you can be on the path, and you're a nun, and you've taken the vows, but... At some point, you will have to incarnate as a man in order to, you know, have the balance right in order to attain nirvana. And she was like, um, I think that's bullshit, I think was her exact quote. Uh, so she said, I, she took the vow of the bodhisattva, I will not attain nirvana until every being in the universe has attained nirvana before me, and I will never incarnate as a man. And so, sort of an early like feminist type, archetype, uh, Tara. That's Tara in general. White Tara in particular, you can see she's sitting in full lotus, and if you look closely, she has eyes on her feet and on her hands. I don't know if you can see. Well, anyway, it depends, you know, on the statue, of course, how visible the eyes are. So she has seven eyes in total. One, two, three, four, five, six, and seven on the feet. All right, let's rewind it. I don't have the, don't have that set up, and I'm not going to take the time to do that. So yeah, she's really here. It's not, not a, not a trick. Um, so yes, 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 yes. So Yeshi Tsogyal means wisdom ocean. Yeshi, yeshi Dawa means wisdom full moon. And while they are closely related, one might say one is an incarnation of the other. I think she's more associated with Red Tara. That is Yeshi Tsogyal. But anyway, okay, let's get to it. Or not Red Tara, uh, one of the other red deities she's supposed to be the incarnation of. All right. 
I'll get back to you on that. Um, but it is in eBurrito because I, I took a lot of my notes, things that I was trying to remember, and just said they were poetry and included them in eBurrito. That's eBurrito. You can find it on Amazon. Just search for my name. Anyway, let's get started. We only uh, blew through 10 minutes or so. Um, okay. Deposit means goods laid down, reserved in parentheses. Quote, give me the goods, end quote, he says. If one calls out to him, quote, I am not taking them, end quote, there is an offense of wrongdoing. All right. Uh, he evokes doubt in, parentheses, the mind of, end parentheses, the keeper. There is a grave offense. The keeper saying, quote, he will not give it to me, end quote, gives up his post, there is an offense involving defeat. Resorting to law, he defeats the keeper. There is an offense involving defeat. Resorting to law, he is defeated. There is a grave offense. So, deposit goods laid down. Give me the goods, he says, if one calls out to him. I am not taking them. There is an offense of wrongdoing. I'm sure it makes sense. It's a, If you're being dishonest in some kind of transaction, then... Uh, Depending on the level, you know, if you actually get the other party to give in and submit to you. Uh, in the case of the king, it was like, well, I'll let you keep the wood because of your hair. And uh, so he, he was kicked out, presumably, um, uh, that monk that took the wood. Because the king gave in and let him keep the wood. Um, I mean, and because he stole the wood in the first place. But... Yeah, there's this interesting thing where if there's like a battle of words between the monk where the monk says, ah, this is my field, not yours, and the keeper says, no, it's not, then the monk is in trouble, but uh, he's not kicked out. But if the keeper's like, well, I mean, you're the monk, so I guess the land's yours, I'll pack my stuff and leave, then the Buddha sees that go on and says, you are not a monk anymore. So that's stealing, right? Okay, continuing. Customs frontier means it is established by the king in a mountain pass or at a ford in a river or at the gate of a village so that tax shall be received on a person entering here. Intending to steal and having entered there, he touches goods which are of value to the king to the value of five masakas or more than five masakas. There is an offense of wrongdoing. So... Okay, let's break this down. If the king is charging a 10% tariff on goods being brought in, 10% tax on goods being brought in to his territory, then technically speaking, uh, you can touch 49 masakas worth, or just 49 masakas cash, assuming that, you know. Um, I think there were coins, right? And there's no problem because 10% of that is 4.9 masakas, which is less than 5 masakas, right? Does that make sense? Doesn't matter. Okay. Um, yes. Intending to steal and having entered there, he touches the goods which are of value to the king to the value of 5 masakas. Although, right, so it's a separate issue from... The taxes are a separate issue from the goods. If so the person you're actually stealing the goods from, that you can't do that. But as far as the taxes go. So that's to be considered. If, you, if you're going to steal 4.9 masakas from somebody as they're entering a country, but the king is going to charge 10%, then 
I think you're going over in some realm of mathematics, you're going over five Masakas. Doesn't matter. Really doesn't matter. And I'm talking too much. I know. Okay. Uh, yes. He, intending to steal which are of value to the king five Masakas or more than five Masakas, there is, is an offense of wrongdoing. If he makes them quiver, there is a grave offense. If he makes his first foot cross the customs frontier, there is a grave offense. Okay. So let's talk about monks crossing borders with goods and not paying the taxes, not paying the tariffs, right? Um, if he makes his second foot cross the customs frontier, there is an offense involving defeat. Pay the taxes to the king. Right? Uh, standing within the customs frontier, he makes them fall outside the customs frontier. There is an offense involving defeat. If he evades the tax, there is an offense of wrongdoing. What? That's what he was doing. When you step across the frontier with goods... Oh, maybe the goods themselves are more than five massacres. Okay, I'm a little confused. A little confused, I'm being honest. Because I thought that whole thing was about evading tax. If you step two feet over the border without paying your tax, you're defeated. And if you evade taxes, it's a wrongdoing. What? Sorry, I'm sorry. Maybe this made sense at that time. Or I'm just misreading it, or the translation is a little bit imperfect or something. Creature means what is called a human creature. Okay. Intending to steal, he touches it. The human creature. I don't want to know. There dot, uh, Three dots. There is an offense involving defeat. Thinking, I will conduct him on foot. He makes the first foot move. There is a grave offense. If he makes the second foot move, there is an offense involving defeat. All right. Uh, footless means snakes and fish. Intending to steal, he touches them to the value of five masakas, or more than five masakas, three dots, involving defeat. So if he wiggles it, and so on and so forth. Two-footed means men and birds. Intending to steal, he touches them. So we're talking about slavery. I think we're talking, we have to be, we're talking about men as property, people as property. So back then that wasn't a big issue. So what can you do? You're not allowed to free a slave without the permission of the slaver. Apparently three dots involving defeat saying, I will lead them away on foot End quote. He makes the first foot move. There's a grave offense. If he makes the second foot move, there is an offense involving defeat. This is 2,600 some odd years ago, so values were different. Apparently, I mean, you know, all that, uh, like, labor movements of the late 19th century and everything, the establishment of minimum wage just happened. I mean, it's on the, on the scale of time. So what we would now think of as people working for minimum wage, back then they would think of as, you know, slaves that are owned by somebody. So if a, if a corporation goes in and wants to take the workers of another corporation, there might be a, a litigation, you know, a lawsuit involved like, hey, those workers were working for Amazon. You can't make them come work for Walmart. Um, that'd be on the same level back then as, hey, that slave belongs to Larry. So don't say, hey, come with me. Hey, yeah, follow me. Because if you cause him to move both of his feet, you're kicked out of the Buddhist order, apparently. All right. 
If I'm reading this correctly, if I'm not, do comment below. Two-footed means, yes, we read that. Four-footed means elephants, horses, camels, bullocks, asses, and cattle. Perhaps in another thousand years, that will be just as horrifying as slavery. Intending to steal, he touches them, three dots. There's an offense involving defeat. So yeah, if he touches them, grave, no. If he touches them, wrongdoing. If he makes them wiggle, what if they wiggle on their own? Uh, grave offense, and if, uh, if he takes them, then there's an offense involving defeat. Saying, I will lead them away on foot. He makes the first foot move, there's a grave offense. If he makes the second foot move, there's a grave offense. If he makes the third foot move, there is a grave offense. If he makes the fourth foot move, there is an offense involving defeat. I say let the elephant go where it wants, but, you know, I'm old-fashioned? No. Many-footed means scorpions, centipedes, live maw worms. Oh, they have so many feet, they can't even see them because they're worms. Maybe maw worms is something else. Right. Comey gives no help. That's the footnote. The footnote gives no help. Anyway, intending to steal, he touches them to the value of five masakas, or more than five masakas, three dots. There's an offense involving defeat. Saying, I will lead them away on foot, he makes them move. For each foot, there is a grave offense. If he makes the last foot move, there's an offense involving defeat. A spy means spying on the goods. He describes them, saying, quote, Do you steal such and such goods? End quote. There's an offense involving a double defeat. Double defeat. What does that look like? Um, the keeper of entrusted wares means guarding goods that have been brought to him to the value of five masakas, or more than five masakas, and intending to steal, he handles the goods, three dots, involving defeat. Keeper of trusted wares would probably be the equivalent of, like, a bank today, I would imagine. Um, an arranged theft or a storage facility. An arranged theft means a crowd having arranged together, in parentheses, to commit a theft, End parentheses. One steals the goods. Are all are involved in defeat? All right. So if like ten monks get together and say, "Hey, you monk, go steal the goods," and then we'll all split it, or whatever, or they're like involved somehow, then they're all defeated. The making of a rendezvous means he makes a rendezvous. <laughs> Thought we were translating this into English, not French. Um, for a time is in parentheses. Either before or after a meal or during the night, according to this rendezvous, he says, parentheses, do you steal? Without a, a question mark. So maybe that's, do you steal? Maybe you, you do steal. Steal it. And parentheses. There's an offensive wrongdoing. If at this rendezvous, rendezvous, he steals the goods, there's an offense involving defeat for both, obviously, right? If he steals the goods before or after, parentheses, the time of the, in parentheses, rendezvous, uh, there is no offense for the instigator. There is an offense involving defeat for the thief. Okay. If he steals the goods before or after the time of the rendezvous, 
There's no offense for the instigator. Oh, loophole. So all you have to do is go and have a rendezvous and tell someone, not now, but after this rendezvous, and go steal that. And then according to this, I know I'm probably misreading it, or it's like they'd be like, no, that's not what it means. It means if you say, hey, do you want to steal that? And he says, no. Oh, okay. And then he goes, and then he decides to steal it anyway. And then there's no offense for the guy who gave him the idea. I think that's probably what it must mean. Otherwise, it would be ridiculous. The making of a sign, because he just covered that if like more than one monk is involved and when one monk goes and steals it, then they're all defeated. The making of a sign means he makes a sign saying, I will either cover up my eyes or I will raise my eyebrows or raise my head. According to this sign, do you steal the goods? Do you steal the goods? End quote. I don't know. I think if I were a translator, I mean, I'm not, but if I were, I would translate it in a way that made sense. That's just me. Okay. There is an offense of wrongdoing. If, according to this sign, he steals the goods, there is an offense. By the way, beautiful translation, J.B. Horner. I don't mean to criticize. I'm just poking fun. Um, if you're still alive. Uh, yes. So if he steals the goods before or after this sign, there is no offense for the instigator. There is an offense involving defeat for the thief. All right. If a monk enjoins a monk saying, quote, steal such and such goods, end quote, there is an offense of wrongdoing if he, thinking these, parentheses, are goods to be stolen, and parentheses, steals them, there is an offense involving defeat for both. If a monk enjoins a monk saying, steal such and such goods, and he, thinking these, parentheses, are the goods to be stolen, end parentheses, steals something else, there is no offense for the instigator. So if you say, hey, go steal those shoes, and the guy's like, oh, oh, okay, and he goes and steals the wrong shoes, then the guy who told him to steal the shoes is totally in the clear because he stole the wrong freaking shoes, right? Okay, that's what it seems to say. Um, if a monk, three dots, oh, I love those dots, I missed them. It's been too long. Oh, the dots. Let's have a moment, a moment of silence in, in honor of the dots. Ah, how I love those dots, don't you? He, thinking something else are the goods, steals them. There's an offense involving defeat for both. What? He, thinking something else are the goods to be stolen, steals them. There's an offense involving defeat for both. That's the opposite of what it just said. Let me double check that. Okay, if he says, steal such and such goods, and he, thinking these are the goods to be stolen, steals something else, there is no offense for the instigator. There's an offense involving defeat for the thief. If a monk, three dots, he, thinking something else are the goods to be stolen, steals them. There is an offense involving defeat for both. I wonder if there's something in the three dots that would make that make sense and not just be a direct contradiction of what it just said. I bet there is. I don't really love the dots. That was sarcasm, by the way. Uh, yes. So, if a monk, three dots... 
he thinking something else are the goods to be stolen steals something else. There is no offense for the instigator. There is an offense involving defeat for the thief. If at some point in the future, because Polytech Society... Yes, wasn't that fun? Uh, if uh, someone in the future is watching these from Polytech Society, first of all, I love these books. Thank you. Second of all, if there's anything you can do to uh, facilitate new editions of the Tipitaka to be produced that have no dots in them. No, oh, let's just put in three dots because this is a repeat of something that was said before at some point 30 pages ago in a different context. Just fill in the text. It's okay. We can read it twice. I would like for there to exist an English translation of the Tipitaka, is what I'm saying. Because this, it's like 92% of a translation of the Tipitaka. The missing 8% is where you have to stop in your tracks and like do some like detective work, which I'm not going to do because I'm reading this live. And if I was going to do that, it would take a lot of time. You cannot have a flow to the reading if you have to stop and analyze what goes in the three dots. And if it changes the meaning or without knowledge, this, this esoteric, elusive knowledge of what goes in the dots at times, you cannot make sense of what the text says. Please, if, whether you're watching this in the 23rd or 24th or 25th century, please do something about it. If you have the power, if you have the authority, mention it to someone, show this to someone. You can take this clip and just see a man pleading, reading, please, please, please stop it with the three dots. It's driving me insane. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm just the only one speaking publicly about it. But every student in every college that studies these books in the middle of the night, studying for an examination tomorrow morning, is getting to the three dots, hitting their head physically hard, making marks, making bruises on the, as they punch themselves in the head, and then flip through and flip through and rip the pages trying to figure out what goes in the three dots. I guarantee in every college that has a set of these books, that happens. All right. Sorry, everybody. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the Polytech Society. Let's get back to the reading, okay? <clears throat> Thank you for putting up with uh, the imperfections of this. Um, yes. So, where were we? Doesn't matter because it's not going to make sense because of the three dots. Um, if a monk enjoins a monk saying, tell of such and such matter, let so-and-so tell of such and such, let so-and-so steal such and such goods, end quote, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he speaks to another, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If the thief agrees, there is a grave offense for the instigator. If he steals these goods, there is an offense involving defeat for all these four people, in parentheses. If a monk enjoins a monk, saying, tell of such and such a matter, let so-and-so steal such and such goods, end quote. There is an offense of wrongdoing. If he enjoins another, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If the thief agrees, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he steals these goods, there is no offense for the instigator. 
there is an offense involving defeat for the enjoiner and the thief. If a monk enjoins a monk, saying, steal such and such goods, there is an offense of wrongdoing. Having gone, he returns, saying, I am not able to steal these goods. And if he enjoins him again, saying, when you are able, then steal these goods. There is an offense of wrongdoing. If he steals the goods, there is an offense involving defeat for both. If a monk enjoins a monk, saying, steal such and such goods, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If, having enjoined this course, he regrets it, but he does not say to him, do not steal, and he steals these goods, there is an offense involving defeat for both, even if he regrets it. <clears throat> if a monk, three dots, having enjoined this course, regrets it, and says to him, do not steal, he says, very well, and desists. There is no offense for either. In that case, the dots were okay. Because it was a reference to something that was just said. Not something that was said like 12 pages earlier in another context. Or 30 pages earlier in another context. Or just totally unclear. And without knowing what's in it, it makes it seem like it's completely contradicting itself. There's an offense involving defeat through appropriating in five ways what is not given. It is the possession of another, and known to be the possession of another, and known to be the possession, uh, okay, and it is important, and it is a requisite to the value of five or more masakas, and there is a present, it, there is present the intention to steal. If he touches it, you can touch things if you're not intending to steal them, okay. Um, if he touches it, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he makes it quiver, there is a grave offense. If he removes it from the place, there is an offense involving defeat. There is a grave offense through appropriating in five ways what is not given. It is the possession of another, and known to be the possession of another, and it is unimportant, and it is a requisite to the value of more than five masakas, or less than five, the, more than a masaka, or less than five masakas, and there is intention to steal what is at one's disposal. If he touches it, there is an offense of wrongdoing. So if it's not important, but it's worth more than one masaka and less than five masaka, okay. If he makes it quiver, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he removes it from the place, there is a grave offense. Oh, so now we're getting into what if it's worth less than five masakas? Well, even if you steal it, it's a grave offense. So that brew packet, you might just get a talking to about it, but you get to still be a monk. There is an offense of wrongdoing through appropriating in five ways what is not given. It is the property of another, three dots, a requisite to the value of a masaka or less than a masaka, and there is present the intention to steal. If he touches it, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he makes it quiver, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he removes it from the place, there is an offense of wrongdoing, but not a grave offense. Hmm. All right. Was that different than the other? There is a grave offense to appropriating in five ways what is not given is the possession of another known to be the possession of another and it is unimportant and a requisite to the value of more than a masaka less than five masakas. There is intention to steal. Okay, how is that different? There's an offense of wrongdoing through appropriating in five ways what is not given is the property of another. Three dots, a requisite to the value of a masaka. So 
if we assume that what's in the three dots is the, the same as what was in the previous paragraph, which is what one would assume that three dots mean, then these are two different statements, both saying the same crime, one saying it's a wrongdoing, the other saying it's a grave offense. So my only conclusion is that what is in the three dots is not the same as what is in the previous paragraph, which is a third kind of heinous, heinous crime that use of these three dots is guilty of. Uh, the user, the user of the three dots, the one who allows them to be used, one who encourages them to be used, and the one who uses them are all guilty of a wrongdoing, a grave offense, and are defeated in my humble opinion. Anyway, there is an offense involving defeat through appropriating in six ways what is not given. He does not know it is his own. He does not take a confident. He does not know it is his own. So if you steal something that is actually yours, all right, uh, he does not know it is his own. He, he does not take a confidant. It is not for the time being. It is important. It is a requisite to the value of five misakas or more than five misakas. And there is present the intention to steal if he touches it, three dots, <clears throat> involving defeat. Well, since we're getting into like subtleties of like in some cases it's a wrongdoing and then a grave offense and then defeat. And in other cases it's a wrongdoing, a wrongdoing and a grave offense. It's inappropriate again to use these dots. Sorry guys, I'm I'm just criticizing. Um, you couldn't possibly be enjoying this. I, 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 I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, right. So, there is a grave offense through appropriating in six ways what is not given. He does not know it is his own. <clears throat> yeah, three dots. It is unimportant. It is a requisite worth more than a masaka or less than five masakas. And there is intention to steal three dots. There is a grave offense. There is an offense of wrongdoing through appropriating in six ways. I'm, I'm starting to feel the apathy set in like a warm sort of opiated blanket. So now I, I don't, I'm starting to not care um, whether it makes sense or not. And I'm just getting into a space where I'm just going to read the words as they are and stop being frustrated that it doesn't make sense. Which is a bad thing, but it's maybe good for the, the, the emotional tone of, of the episode as a whole. <sighs> okay. Oh, yes. There is an offense of wrongdoing through appropriating in six ways what is not given. He does not know it is not his own. Three dots. It is unimportant. It is a requisite to the value of a masaka or less than a masaka. And there is intention to steal. Three dots. There is an offense of wrongdoing. See? Happy. Okay. There is an offense of wrongdoing through appropriating in five ways what is not given. It is not the possession of another. He thinks it is the possession of another. It is unimportant. Three dots. To the value of more than five masakas, there is present the intention to steal. If he touches it, there's an offense of wrongdoing. If he makes it quiver, there's an offense of wrongdoing. If he removes it from the place, there's an offense of wrongdoing. 
There's an offensive wrongdoing through appropriating in five ways what is not given. It is not the possession of another. He thinks it is the possession of another. It is unimportant. Three dots. To the value of less than five masakas, there is present the intention to steal. If he touches it, <clears throat> there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he makes it quiver, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he removes it from its place, there is an offense of wrongdoing. <clears throat> there is an offense of wrongdoing through appropriating in five ways what is not given. It is not the property of another. He thinks it is the property of another. It is unimportant. Three dots. To the value of less than a masaka, and there is present the intention to steal. If he touches it, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he makes it quiver, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he removes it from its place, there is an offense of wrongdoing. There is no offense if he knows it is his own. So, okay, this is, these, those are all things where it is your own, where you're like, hey, I'm going to... Oh. Oh, that's a nice dragon statue. It reminds me of mine. Oh, I'm going to steal it and put it next to mine. Uh, <laughs> uh, where's mine? Oh, this is mine. Okay, so that's a wrongdoing. So you had the intention to steal, even though you ended up not stealing because it was yours, dummy. Silly monks. I mean, this must have come up if it's like being talked about, if I'm understanding correctly what these last few uh, rules have been about. All right. <clears throat> if it is taken temporarily, there is no offense if he knows it is his own. If it is taken as a confidant, if it is taken temporarily, if he is in the realm of the departed, if he is in the animal world, the animal world? I want to hear more about the animal world. I bet we'll get to that in future books. If he thinks them to be rags taken from the dust heap, if he is mad, if his mind is unhinged, if he is afflicted by pain, if he is a beginner, told is the first recital on taking what is not given. We finish the section. I'm calling it. This is going to be a shorter episode than the last couple. Um, yeah, Dogen, uh, the Japanese Zen master who brought Chan over from China and because of his accent called it Zen, you know, originator of Zen, you could say, in Japan, or Japanese Zen, you might say. He's the guy that, you know, when we do that thing, the DDD, and I was like, oh, it's a rock, that was him. Um, yeah, he talked about rags from the dust heap and how the rags don't have to be of one particular kind of cloth. So if a rich person is wearing elaborate fine silk and um, dies and the body is cremated and the clothes are thrown onto the dust heap and they happen to be shiny and silk, that's rags. Um, but if there's a, a dirty cloth that's, you know, cotton or whatever would have been considered, you know, burlap or something, you know, whatever would have been considered like cheap and you buy it from the store or, or take it from someone, that's not rags. So it's, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm misremembering a little bit, but he went on for a while about the rags from a dust heap. And uh, so, yeah, it's interesting to, I mean, my... Basically, my original motivation for wanting to to buy all these books um, and read them 
uh, was to be able to understand all the references that Dogen was making, because he was talking in the 1240s mostly. And, uh, and he was talking to people who were studying all of the scriptures that had been brought over already. And uh, so he was making reference to the Lotus Sutra. He was making reference to Nagarjuna. He was making reference to the, uh, what did they call them? The, um, the small vehicle scriptures or whatever, you know, um, the, the Tipitaka. And I wanted to know what the references were. So anyway, eh, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, okay, so we finished a section. We'll get to the next section in the next reading. At any rate, I hope that you enjoy that travel video. It's probably a little more enjoyable than this uh, recital was, listening to me go on about how much I, I hate the three dots and seriously talk to the future Polytech Society about how they should do something about that. And the book can be thicker. How much thicker would it be? Would it be this thick? This thick? Because that's fine. That's fine. I mean okay, it shouldn't waste paper or whatever, but if you're going to waste paper anyway. No, anyway, <clears throat> thank you all for going on this uh, ride with me. This is sometimes bumpy, sometimes dirty, sometimes boring, sometimes interesting, exciting, sometimes offensive, apparently, for some folks. Um, ride with me. Um, and uh, thank you to our special guest. And uh, okay, until next time. Oh, wait, I don't say that yet. <clears throat> Let's do the closing, shall we? Thank you for the honking to the people outside. Okay. Anything I forgot? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Yes. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace.